I don't know. Are you hosting this or am I hosting this? Is this a joint host or? I guess a joint host. (laughs) It's a joint exercise between two podcasts. Yes, there we go. (laughs) Welcome to the Pulse Podcast and. (laughs) Welcome to Teacher Inside. Welcome to Teacher Inside Podcast. This is great. What a great opportunity. Thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I was wanting to, I wanted us to get back together soon. We had such a great discussion last time and there's just so many things we can talk about. So, um, you were trying to interview me last time. Now, Jacob Esbell's done like a two hour and 20 minute interview <laughs> of me. So yeah, I guess, I, yeah, it's not that I've told my whole story, but like, I think that's probably enough interviewing me. <laughs> and besides that story stories always come out i'm always a storyteller they do that's the best way to teach right if you're a teacher stories are the best it totally is i've learned a lot from your stories those are always the best sermons in growing up in the rlds church was those ministers who had experiences with the lord and they had stories Mm -hmm. and they didn't just read a bunch of scriptures and make various points but like they literally had adventures with the Lord and they would share those adventures and like that was inspiring to me you know mm-hmm. so yeah oh yeah that's stories are great awesome so yeah we were just talking um before kind of our our struggles and uh it's almost an evident well just the pattern in my life has been whenever anything is about to happen or just has happened there's always a confrontation with darkness whenever more yeah. light is brought in or is going to be brought in mm-hmm. um so i was feeling it this last week it's been a rough one for me yeah <laughs> how about you Tell um me. we we had sort of a, a bit of a hard week um my wife more than me but mm-hmm. uh the weekend we had planned um, to get away um, and leave our congregation on their own to sink or swim uh, because (laughs) we've been just very much kind of holding their hands through the process of changing how we worship Mm -hmm. Um, and it's it it, for the longest time it felt like if if we weren't there to help guide it that um, it would revert back an autopilot and go back to a traditional church service and where like priesthood just take over and and all that kind of yeah. stuff and um so it's really nice yesterday when we got a report that um, first of all we got a text from one of the new families we got like four new families attending our congregation just recently cool. um and we got a text from them and said i think we broke a record at church we didn't in church until 2 p.m and nobody wow. wanted to leave until about 2 30 and oh. i was like well that sounds like a good sign <laughs> <laughs> They just didn't want to leave. That's good. Yeah. And I I called my mother and I I couldn't get any words out. And she's like, oh, I'm so glad you called. I wanted to tell you all about church. And she was so excited. So she goes. Okay. Yes, she goes. Um, So I I looked at Jennifer, my wife. I said, oh, we need to go away more often. And... (laughs) (laughs) But it, it was so... It made my heart so glad that I was like, okay... This work is not my work. This is God's yes. work, and He's He's really taken people 
to another level and now it's not dependent on me like this mm-hmm. is I, I maybe i got it started or initiated because the holy spirit was putting it on me but they've got it they're doing it and it's just wonderful um just yeah, what's happening that is there. awesome because now but, they're listening to the spirit and being guided by yes but That's all so weekend, cool. I, I had a, a brother. I'm not going to mention a name or anything like that, but I had a brother from the distant past that I've always loved, looked up to. Um, not a member of our particular denomination. Um, he's out of the Temple Lot Church. But uh, I met him during what we used to participate in something called the Unity Movement, where it was different restoration mm-hmm. groups coming together. And... Um, he was hard on me all weekend in private messages and essentially telling me that I am destroying the work of the restoration hmm. by what I'm doing. Um, I so he's already destroyed. <laughs> his, well, his analogy was, he says, he says, brother, you, you like to keep picking at the scab and it just keeps bleeding. And uh, I guess because I talk about things that maybe aren't right or something. And, and I told him, I said, I, I guess that helps me understand your perspective. So you, you mm-hmm. see it as me picking at a scab. And that if I would just leave it alone, it would heal and everything would be fine. Mm-hmm. And I said, the analogy I'm going to give you that I think is more proper is the resetting of a bone. Mm-hmm. A bone that is set incorrectly. And what do you got to mm-hmm. do with that? You, you have to re-break it and set it correctly. I said, if I leave this alone, or we leave it alone, or we just ignore it, and we don't ever talk about it or find out what is wrong, I said, it's not going to fix itself. It hasn't fixed itself for 190 years. You know, yeah. it's, it's right? there's, we, if there's an error, if Satan has planted tares, if he has gotten in there and messed around and got us off course, and this is why we're not where we need to be. This is why the power of God is not in the churches as they should be why the signs of the believers aren't there if there are real basic fundamental problems not addressing them ignoring them and hoping it just goes away and how somehow zion just uh happens right without anything else like that's fantasy um it's it's not going to happen but in any case yeah, and, um, and in, yeah uh, you could also see it as debridement right where yeah you are yeah. pulling off scabs because there's gunk in there that needs to yeah. come out yeah. you know I, so either way it's painful i it kind is. of felt like it's not about a scab it's about there's the there's a whole limb that's gangrene you may, you may have to uh, <laughs> yeah. you may have to you know remove a limb or something um oh. but <laughs> yeah Exactly. It's, it's interesting. Well, I, I just have to say that I was asked to lead the music in front of the congregation yesterday and I got the strangest feeling. I mean, we were singing a song, one of the sunshine hymns. I can't remember exactly which one, but I'm up there singing about sunshine in your soul or whatever. And I looked across and people just looked miserable. They looked like they were at a funeral and sad and I I know some things about people and their health issues and spiritual issues and it just had this dark cast like no one was smiling I shouldn't say no one a couple of people were smiling I looked down at my son and he was giving me a big goofy grin (laughs) but um it was sad it made me feel sad I was just like these people are hurting 
Yeah. They need healing. The churches you are know? not are not centers of healing. They're they're not. It's a place where you must have a certain appearance. You need to give the appearance of oh everything is awesome because we're in the right church and we're doing the right things and mm -hmm. you know and we have to greet each other and smile no matter how much we're hurting that's what i have found in the churches yeah and it's not a place like what moroni talks about he says when they came together they came together to talk about to speak about the welfare of their souls they yeah. talked about confessing sins to one another and their struggles so that they could pray for one another. Like, who does that? Nobody does that. Nobody you does come that. come to church it, and say, I'm struggling with uh, pornography or I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I've am I'm, got a drinking problem or something. Like, you're not going to share. It's you not safe to up. share that. No. Yeah. You, yeah. Or you hide it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what it felt like. It just felt like I know people's struggles and... We're not talking about it at church. We're not, you know, yeah. at least, yeah, it's it's a sad deal. It was, yeah. it made me sad. And, and the other thing is, um, there's not a lot of evidence of joy or healing or, yeah. you know, I, I experienced this with the Savior and encouraging other people to do the same, you know, it's, it, the, there's yeah. just so much talk about the doings and the, you know, the ordinances and, and all more doings work. and it, all the work. work and work and work and no grace. No, yeah. it, it's just, I don't know. It was just very sad to me. Yeah. It, you know, almost everything I, I'm almost convinced that so many things we do in the churches are just literally dead works. Mm -hmm. And the only works that are not dead are those where Christ abides in you and you abide in Christ and the works that he's doing. So mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit is actually moving upon you to do something. Yeah. And so therefore that's the mind of Christ, that Holy Spirit. And that is the only thing that is of any value. And you can do good works. You can go feed the poor. You can clothe the naked. You can do that. Um, and it's, those aren't bad things. Okay. But the real value is when we're being moved upon by the Holy Spirit, the auspices of the Holy Spirit, and we have that relationship with God. Yeah. Um, have you been spiritually born of God? <laughs> I mean, that, that's, I, that would be the question I would ask. If I was looking, I'm looking out at people in church and they don't look particularly joyous. You were born and raised in the church, perhaps, and you are supposedly in the right church. But I would ask, have you been spiritually born of God? Yeah. And you know, that's where it's at. Yep. And that's our that's our scripture, our foundation, you know, and so yeah. anyway, uh we were studying um with my Isaiah group yesterday, Isaiah sixty six and um yeah. thinking about this temple coming and everyone's so excited and because there's a temple we have a an apostle coming next week for our yep. state conference and, you know, rolling out the red carpet and yep. doing all those things that it really feels like a celebrity, you know, and I, there yeah. are people who, who get it and who are saying, Hey, it's not about who's coming. It's about worship. And, mm -hmm. you know, I heard, I heard someone say that yesterday and, and it's true, but then the whole culture is all about 
the building, the person, and it's not about Jesus. And, yeah. and so we were reading in uh, Isaiah yesterday and just, just exactly what you said. Like when you're doing stuff and it might be good, but if it's not what God wants you to do, it's it's not his will and it it's yeah. not going to get you those connections you know you're you're going to be doing the hamster wheel thing and Absolutely. he makes that clear he says uh thus says jehovah the heavens are my throne and the earth is my footstool what house would you build me what would serve me as a place of rest these are all things my hand has made Yes. And thus all came into being, says Jehovah, and yet I have regard for those who are of a humble and contrite spirit and who are vigilant for my word. Absolutely. So I just love that. He's like, you can't build me a house. Everything's yep. mine. <laughs> but yet, and yet, even, even though you're doing these things and they're not necessarily what I want you to do, yeah. if you're humble and contrite and vigilant for my word, you'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, I look at the, the temple uh, that David wanted to build, mm -hmm. and God didn't want him to. And yeah. But he kept insisting, basically. He's like, what, you know, how are you going to build a house to contain me? You know, uh, what are you going to make it out of? How big could it be that you're going to contain God? You know, he didn't need that. Um, there was the tabernacle, mm -hmm. and the tabernacle was a temporary thing not built to last forever you know and that's because he knew it was temporary because yeah. when he would come it would be done away with and it's he just wanted like them to go to him <laughs> yeah and it's just like it's just like israel wanting a king yeah he told them uh, you it'd be better you don't have a king um and yet they kept insisting and so he gave him a king and it's amazing how many other things do we have in our religions in our churches that god kind of let us do and it's not for our benefit but yeah um, yeah and if you go on to read there in isaiah 66 he's saying you know here's all the things you're doing yeah. but what how does he put it he's like uh but but whosoever slaughters an ox is as one who kills a man so it's like, I don't care. It's like yeah. you're killing, it, it, you might as well be murdering a person. You know, this yeah. is not what I want you to do. And uh, I, for the first time, I've been a member of the LDS Church my whole life. And I have started to do word studies in the scriptures, just Bible, Book of Mormon. I'm reserving the Doctrine and Covenants for now. Um, occasionally I'll go there if I feel led mm -hmm. to, but. Yeah. just Bible Book of Mormon and I did a word study on temple and I read the whole story of David and Solomon the one that you just told about yeah. and and it was so fascinating to me that you know David's like temple 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 God says no then he says actually your son's gonna build one so don't worry about yeah. it so Solomon ends up building and then right after he builds a temple and he yes. dedicates it and all these great things happen he starts worshiping other gods and yep. he totally just falls off the cliff, like yeah. literally off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> like just, it's interesting. But, and I think that's what happens when, we, happens when we do what we, do what we, want, we to want to do. Oh, uh-oh.
And I had never really read through the scriptures and what the scriptures actually say about temples. Because yeah. I had been born into this religious tradition mm -hmm. and it's just what you do, you know? Yeah. So it, it's hard. It's hard to to face, okay, this is what the scriptures are saying and mm -hmm. this is what we're doing and what I've been taught yeah. my whole life. You know, uh, let me, let me ask you this in the LDS temple and you don't have to answer this if you don't feel comfortable, but in an LDS temple, isn't there a veil? Mm -hmm. And in the new Testament, we read that when Christ died on the cross, it said the veil of the temple was rent in two. Yes. And, and I never put that together until no. I started listening to Christians teaching the Bible. What I recognized about the restoration is that Satan got in there. And what I'd recognize is that Christ had torn the the veil of the temple in two. And then at some point when Satan got in, we restitched it back up together again is what we tried That's to exactly do. Exactly what it But that was like. in a figurative way. But even literally in in the temple, you, you have these mm -hmm. ceremonies where you have the veil and people you know behind the veil and things like that and the thing is is that Christ opened that veil for us so we can through him come directly to the throne room and mm -hmm. we don't have to go I, I'm sorry but whatever it is that we have to challenge here whatever our traditions whatever we think is the truth here the real truth is that we don't need priesthood or any person on this planet to be able to come to Christ mm -hmm. and we do not need anyone to come and have salvation Amen. Now he asks us to believe on him and to be baptized. So let's find someone who can baptize us. Mm -hmm. If we can't find someone, what did Alma do? <laughs> right? He said, he okay. He, com he commands that I we go. be baptized and he did. And did, did we find that Alma was rebuked for, for doing that? Did he have to get rebaptized? No. In fact, he became a high priest. He became mm -hmm. after the order of the Son of God and, and walked yeah. in the powers of heaven. So these things we worry about and we got to have all these things in place. And I just say, no, the only thing you need to be is you better have a relationship with Christ. And you better have that born again experience. And that's all you have to have. And yeah. if the church of Christ becomes more organized on some level and there's enough people and we're together and the Holy spirit or Christ begins to choose people to call out certain individuals to like, Hey, I am going to give you authority to baptism, to, to baptize others. Awesome. Mm -hmm. But none of that stops us from going forward with what God needs to do. None of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it is spirit led. You know, it, and everyone knows it. You don't have to. So here's another thing that I'm facing. Um, so as well as like studying the scriptures. And first of all, it there are things that have come to my heart that just feel wrong. And it's been over like, gosh, since my mission. I wondered about in Mosiah 15, where Abinadi is talking about the father and the son being one. Mm -hmm. And I remember on my mission puzzling over that. Yeah. I, I remember trying to trying to wrestle that and trying to figure that out. You know, well, Joseph saw two beings. We'll come to find out he yeah. only saw one. 
Yeah. You know, and, and why is that? So, so it's just, gosh, I've got like so many things. Um, <laughs> history is important because it helps us know how to see currently what is true because these patterns repeat human nature never changes. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I've learned for myself that what Abinadi said is true. Yes. That there is one God and it's Jesus and God mm -hmm. himself came down and I don't know how it works, but I just know that there's, we don't worship two gods. And the interesting thing is that I discovered yes. is who, where does that teaching come from that Jesus is Satan's brother? Well, that's the Luciferians. Yeah, exactly. The Satan because people. You want to put Satan, <laughs> Lucifer definitely wants to make sure that he is put on the same level with Jesus. So they're equals, yeah. you know, yeah. um, of course that's, he's going to want to do that. But what does the scriptures tell us? What does John say? Yeah. There, there was nothing that was made that wasn't made without him. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, he's the creator and it says there was nothing in heaven or earth that was made without him. So that means Lucifer was made by Christ. Yeah. yeah. So they're not brothers. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, and I, that that was a huge a huge one for me to yeah. go. So we have a document in the LDS Church called the Living Christ, and it came out under uh, Gordon yeah. Gordon Hinckley. Mm -hmm. And um, it says, you know, our family we've memorized part most of that thing, and that thing is long. Yeah. And I went back to that, and it says, under the direction of His Father, Jesus created the earth. Yeah. And I realize how destructive that is. And, and that is not scriptural. That's, yeah, that's well, a Luciferian teaching. You <laughs> Just, know, it, that on some level, and it, uh, this is, it's hard for people because they want it to be black and white. And God yeah, is, yeah. there is complexity to God. Mm -hmm. And there is, there's complexity to him the way there's complexity to the universe. And it's beyond our understanding, our full yeah. comprehension at this time. Okay. The mind, when I came to him asking him about the Trinity, the idea of the Trinity, are they three separate individuals? Or is it one manifesting in three different ways? All this, there was arguments about it in our congregation mm -hmm. at one point. And he told me, he says that the, the mind of fallen man can, cannot comprehend mm -hmm. it. Okay. Well, I wanted to comprehend it, not to win an argument. I, I came to a point where I just really wanted to understand better so I could be closer to the Lord, you know, mm -hmm. and he began to open things up to me. And, but even then I know I only see a small glimpse of this. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I noticed that to him, it's foolishness when we argue about, you know, is father, son, Holy spirit, separate yeah. beings or what he kind of, that's, a, it's kind of a, a foolishness. So what happened is Jesus allowed for that, that view. He's like my father in heaven. And, you know, he spoke about the father and he spoke about himself as almost as if they're separate. And as mm -hmm. you go along, he begins dropping hints that mm -hmm. actually he is the father, but he's the father in the flesh. And Mm -hmm. That's why he's called the son, which is why I appreciate Abinadi so well, because I know, better I'm than so the, the Bible, grateful. he just completely lays it out. I mean, like, nothing hidden, Abinadi. <laughs> nothing yeah. hidden at all. Yeah. And then he was killed for that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? 
And we can all we can all quote that, right? We know what the greatest mm-hmm. commandment is, right? Mm-hmm. Love God, you know, love your neighbor, right? But we almost always forget the first part of it. That's not how he started answering it. He started answering the whole quote out of Deuteronomy. And how it begins is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hmm. There is only one Lord, only ever has been. And that's why Jews have such a problem with Christians when they talk about Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. They don't get that because there's only one God. And yet even they know, well, we know there's a spirit of God. Mm-hmm. You know, um, well, they know there's a messiah that will come. Yeah, it's a mystery. Something I've learned is in the history of Israel, they were fighting against polytheists their whole history. That's right. And so when they hear Christians saying there's more than one God and yeah, three gods uh, and one. For for me, when I took that to the Lord, and I was like, how does this work? What tell me? Because this is what the scriptures are saying. And he said, it's kind of like an egg where you see the egg, <laughs> yep. but then you break it. There's parts it's, or it's kind of like blood where yeah. when you look, you see blood, but there's all these parts, you know, they can be spun out. And, yeah. and I just knew exactly what Absolutely. you said, that it's, it's more than my brain can comprehend. Yeah. That's about as far as I could comprehend was yep. <laughs> okay. It's it, and, and the two opposites, the two extremes. That mm-hmm. Satan, you know, that quote by C.S. Lewis that that the devil always sends his mm-hmm. lies out in two extremes. So we sit yeah. there and argue back and forth. Exactly. And the truth is somewhere right, you know, between the two. Well, so. I didn't know that C.S. Lewis had said that. That's awesome. I could have learned this a whole lot sooner. It's a great sooner. quote. I, my <laughs> wife and I great. learned that directly from the Lord. Uh, yeah. That it was these two sides. That it was always Satan. That he's always set up everything. So I, I don't care. Democrat, Republican. You can name anything. Anything that's anything. going on. And yep. Satan is the one who defined both sides of the argument. And he's mm-hmm. made it so that there are truth on both sides. And yep, also a little lies. bit of truth. He's just taking and it to extremes. Whatever your preference is, whatever your inclinations are, you will one side will be more you'll be inclined to because it's the truth you want to more forcefully hold on to. Yep. But the metaphor that he had given me when I was trying to understand uh, the three in one nature of himself, that he is one is water that there are three mm-hmm. forms to water uh liquid there you go solid and gas but it's all water yeah. that's perfect yeah, yeah that's a great analogy and i don't know about you I, i'm guessing this is the way it is with you that as you're coming to this truth now everything just makes more sense oh completely and, completely. and his whole nature becomes so much more beautiful and wondrous mm-hmm. than all mm-hmm. this complicated stuff you know he he treats us as children, and we have to grow up. And so he 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 gives us these analogies, like uh, my father in heaven. I, I'm going to go to the. I have to go to the father, but I'll send you the Holy Spirit, and all this kind of stuff. And they didn't fully mm-hmm. understand, but they did when his Holy Spirit came. That was one of the things he showed me. He says, "You got to understand when my Holy Spirit fell upon them, it wasn't a strange thing. Yeah, it was familiar." It was just like on the road to Emmaus. That is exactly, yes, yes. And what they realized, they missed Jesus so much. They'd never wanted him to leave. It was very sad to them. And on the day of Pentecost, they got him back Mm -hmm. in the form Mm -hmm. of the spirit. 
And now, so good. and now he's living in them. And now they understood if I abide in you, and you they didn't understand that before then. If I abide in you and you abide in me, they didn't understand how that would happen. And what do you mean exactly? Mm -hmm. And how does that happen? And when the Holy Spirit came into them, they knew it was yep. Jesus abiding. It was his spirit is the spirit of God. It's the spirit of the father. It's all one God, you know, but I feel it. I feel it completely. And I've talked to other people about this idea of the Trinity and my sister's working so hard. She's so diligent very vigilant for the word and i explained to her and she's like i know but it says here and it says here and i'm like you know what the only way i understand this is because i had that experience that little vision and that yeah. little teaching yeah. and it was from the spirit and i can't explain it yeah. i just know and and that is exactly what you said it's it's yeah. a little piece of god in us it's, that lightens it if someone is really open and wanting to understand and they are willing to listen, we can explain it on many levels that might help mm -hmm. them, that might help them. But yeah. ultimately, no one will get it until they have their own revelation. You could That's be trying true. to explain it to them, but it won't be your explanation that brings them to that truth. Mm -hmm. It will be the Holy Spirit that suddenly bears witness to them and suddenly they get it. They get the revelation. And that's and the truth about And what is it? Like the scales, the scales of darkness yes. fall from the eyes so yes. that we can see, right? That, yes. And I have to say that when I listened to your first podcast on the priesthood, I had almost a physical sensation of that. Yeah. Of like, um, I get it. I see it now, you know, that this all these problems and these issues and, you know, priesthood is only women or only men or, you know, whatever is the, mm -hmm. the case with the two extremes. Um, yeah, it was just like, oh, yeah, yes. I know that's still a tough one I for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, it is um, it's hard. And I don't expect and that's again, I always have to realize it took three years for the Lord to break that to me. That was mm -hmm. tough to. Mm -hmm wrap my mind around i wasn't even i it just wasn't even in the same universal thought of even that yeah. being, i knew there was problems with priesthood that was obvious i mean you look at the bible look in book of mormon you look in the dnc doctrine and covenants what we have in the doctrine and covenants is not what you find in the bible it's not what you find in the book of mormon there's distinct differences there's mm -hmm. there's questionable things that you're like well something doesn't match up here and so when he yeah. started talking to me about priesthood i thought that's what it was like he was just going to fix the priesthood mm -hmm. um i never ever thought <laughs> no, but here's the thing <laughs> but here's the thing you have to get your own revelation of it it has to be revealed yeah. to you. I can't convince people of it. And they, and to this day, there's like a blindness that are over their eyes because I, it doesn't matter how many times I say this, I said it in all four of those priesthood videos. I've mm -hmm. said it in multiple discussions. And even with people that I'm currently discussing with, I've said it multiple times as if they have never heard any of the words I've said. And yeah. I will say, because they get like, well, there has to be priesthood right here in the Book of Mormon here. It says they ordained elders yeah. priests and teachers and i'm like yes i believe in ministry callings and ordaining mm -hmm. various ministries mm -hmm. in the church i believe in elders priests and teachers and it's like they don't even hear me and they keep going yeah. back to that and it's like it's like so it's like they priesthood. Can. there's no receptor <laughs> yeah. in their brain for the it the concept you know? of priesthood is so ingrained 
in that in that that it can't exist to have ordinations or offices of ministry without the word priesthood present. Yeah. See, and this was this was what was different when I listened to your podcast because I had done a word study of the word priesthood. Yeah, that and help you. found <laughs> that it is yeah. only in like two places in the Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. I went through because I was kind of preparing to possibly yeah. have to give a talk on it. And so when I heard yeah. what you had to say, it just it just broke it all open because I had already the spirit had already worked on me. Yeah. And it had already been teaching me things and I still had questions, but it was yeah. like and I think that's how the Lord works because I've been talking to my yeah. husband about some of these things and he's like, "I just don't have the questions you have." Yeah. And I'm like, "Well, God initiates spiritual growth, right? We learned that from mm -hmm. Gary Holly, which I love that concept. Yes. yes. He will place questions on your heart and mind when you're ready to receive it. And it's like, if you don't have the question, you're not going to get the answer because you're not ready. You're not in that place where you can receive. You don't have, like, anyway, yeah, it's just amazing to me. Yeah. Well, about what you just said, I'm looking up a scripture here. Um, okay, here it is. In the inspired version of the Bible, um, which mm -hmm. may be called something else, LDS. Um, Joseph never called it inspired version. That was actually uh, something that our LDS committee mm -hmm. came up with later. Uh, but he was calling it a translation, um, his new translation of the Bible, which he yeah. never completed. I have a lot of problems with what we call the inspired version, the RLDS. Um, yeah. Some people are finding it for the first time and are very excited about it. And I would say there are very exciting things about it, um, but you have to be careful. Um, the first seven chapters of Genesis came out of three separate uh, experiences Joseph Smith had. And those are something, there's some extraordinary things in there. And that's where we get mm -hmm. Enix Zion and we've got the, the, uh, the O's, the secret O's and combinations and the mas yeah. master mayhem. Yeah, just a, a whole lot, lot of very, yeah. very interesting stuff. And I, I, I see so much truth in there. I, I just have re always received it as a truth. I, unless the Lord mm -hmm. tells me otherwise, I've always felt like there's definitely truth. And that was a completely separate experience than all the rest of what he did with the Bible. Okay. Hmm. Which he never got very far. Yeah. In. And but, we don't know that history. We don't know how yeah. it came about. And he right? never approved of the changes. Uh, like um, they took his, the, the RLDS actually took his personal Bible. And there would be notes in a margin somewhere. And sometimes they would incorporate that. And it's like, he never authorized that. It's like, I've written mm -hmm. stuff in my scriptures. It doesn't mean you should go change the scriptures, you know? Yes. Um, okay. But, and I never knew that. That yeah. is, that is yes. something so foreign to me. Like yeah. it was always like the Joseph Smith translation. I, as a child, I remember being introduced to that. And I was like, well, why don't we use it then? Yeah. And it was always this like hush hush, like maybe we shouldn't even own a copy, you yeah. know. <laughs> it was just this weird. I, I just never RLDS, understood. I think the RLDS kind of lauded that over the LDS, like we've got this book because we're the real church. Mm. You don't, you don't have this or whatever. And, you know, Emma yeah. Smith and had in these my pages church, it was like it. it was like I, this is kind of not really what yeah. the brethren are saying, but it is from Joseph. It was kind of like this yeah. secret, like special. Yeah, you know. Certain people my, had it, certain people didn't. My problem is that there are changes that were made in this RLDS committee from various sources. They're supposedly from Joseph, one, one 
kind or another, okay? But mm-hmm. they didn't catalog where they got those changes, why they made the decisions to do what they did. We don't even know if they were faithful always in all those things. I don't think there was any evil intent. But there are questionable things. There are questionable changes that I I have major problems with that are obviously they didn't know what they were doing or Joseph didn't or somebody didn't know this is wrong, what they changed yeah. here. But also I know Joseph was simply trying to make a better translation and he was praying and I know he sometimes got revelation. We all do, right? That's what you do and you pray and the Lord mm-hmm. will sometimes mm-hmm. talk to you about things. And so I'm going to share with you. Uh, something out of the inspired version, and it's one thing I really like. What I think should have happened is there should have been, instead of the inspired version, what the RLDS church should have done is something similar to what I've seen some of the LDS do, where there are notes at the bottom mm-hmm. of the Bible. It should have been a Joseph Smith study Bible. There you and go. And you have the Bible unaltered, but below it you would have notations from Joseph Smith of thoughts or things that he wrote down and then you can you can look at that and decide what you will and pray about it. Yeah, see um, that's that I like the footnotes being able to click on the yes. Joseph Smith translation and it's yes. nice. I, I really like that. Yeah, then you can look and, and decide for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. But when you're walking around with an inspired version and trying to convince people of something out of that, how can you do that? You went and made your own version of the Bible. It doesn't match my version of the Bible. It doesn't work, yeah. you know. And but Mark nine one. Uh, you said you like to ask questions mm-hmm. and you have, you ask questions that your husband doesn't even have those questions. He doesn't want to ask those questions and that's normal. Not everybody's like that. Yeah. I am an inquiring mind and I always inquiring have minds want to know. <laughs> I've, I've had friends say, why are you always learning? What are you, yeah. you're always asking questions. You're always yep. reading. I'm like, I don't know. Yes. Well, <laughs> so this is one of the treasures that is in the inspired version for me. Um, so even though I don't think the I don't think he should have actually changed the Bible or we shouldn't have changed the Bible after he was dead. But I do think we could have put a note in here and that so that way it would have been that treasure would be there for me to find. But it says remember there's twelve disciples, right? Or at least mm-hmm. twelve of the primary disciples. There were other disciples, but it says here, and after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, so it's only three of them. Why? And here's the part that is inserted in the inspired version. Who asked him many questions concerning his sayings. And Jesus leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And so the world doesn't have that insight. We know he picked these three, but why? Why did he pick those three? We know that the scriptures tell us God is no respecter of persons, right? Isn't that what we're told? He's no yeah. respecter of persons, right? He doesn't change. Either. So he wouldn't pick these three uh, and, and show them favor um, above the others for no reason. And here we find out what it is, is they wanted to know more. They wanted to know more. They wanted to know more. And the mm-hmm. other nine weren't asking more. And because these three wanted more he took them somewhere to show them more. Mm-hmm. It's because they asked. Ask, seek, and knock. You have not mm-hmm. because you asked not. And I love there's it. So that the, yeah. I love it that there's these three that Peter, James, and John, I always say to people, these were the three who 
when all the other disciples fell asleep at the end of the day, they kept poor Jesus up at night <laughs> till late <laughs> yeah. asking him questions, you know? Yeah. And I, I think I would have been, you know, yeah. I think I would have been like, <laughs> okay, so what about this? Or what about that? I hope I would have been, but yeah. So in the LDS version, I don't know if you can see this, but it's a footnote. So I okay. can click on it and it says Joseph Smith translation mark. And I didn't really, that really wasn't brought to my attention. You know, yeah. that's just something I glossed over, but I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. it's okay. To, and, and that's something also in the culture of the way I was raised is you can ask questions, but only about certain things. We don't yeah. ask questions about this other group yeah. of things over here about authority and profit and, you know, all that stuff. And so, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Ask and ye shall receive, you know? That's, That's right. So good. So, so good. you're asking and you are receiving. Where are so you going to go on this journey? <laughs> here's here's another. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to lead us on a tangent or not, but yeah. here's another thing that, that really uh, just just didn't set well with me. So in, in our tradition, and I, I'm really praying now to just be filled with God's love. Like, I don't mm. want to hate people. I don't want to be angry. Yeah. I'm over that phase of, of being bitter and finding fault. I just want truth and I just want love. Yeah. But in the past, it's always really kind of bothered me when we would have our uh, Quorum of the Twelve and they would say, I am a special witness yeah. or I am, I have a say experiences too sacred to share or something about the savior, you know, where, where we're just supposed to take their word for it. And in my mind, I was kind of like, well, what's he like? what do he say to you? You know, like, that's what I want to hear. And so when I've heard you and other people like you who have had experiences with the savior, um, dreams, visions, personal visits, um, cause I've had dreams mm -hmm. about the savior and, and feeling like he's close and, you know, enough to know, okay, he's real for myself. Um, and maybe they have too, but like, what, what is the definition of a prophet? And is it like this whole, uh, okay, you're here the longest, so you get to be the leader now. And we call them a prophet, but does that necessarily mean what? And then they say, you know, I've, I'm a special witness or, you know, I've had these sacred experiences and why don't they share them? That's always been the question on my mind is yeah. why can't you share? What? Yeah. Wouldn't that be something important to know if Joseph Smith said, I saw Jesus and here's what he looked like. Yeah. Why can't you say that now? So Probably that's a question for can. you. What teach me about that? <laughs> teach me. Help me. Well, first of all, and this was talked about in my interview with Jacob Esbell. He had brought up um, uh, Oliver Cowdery's admonition to the twelve, the original mm -hmm. twelve, which, yep. from what I can tell in my reading of history, they never did. They just ignored what he had said. They or they found it too hard, and they got on to other administrative duties and became right you know, wanted to do all the things they wanted to do. But um, he he had told them, you are not apostles. 
your calling is not complete. You you are not even a, a true apostle yet. Even if those we've laid hands on you and all this, you must now go seek God to have a face-to-face encounter with him, which would have been to see Christ. And that you basically, you, you can't fake this. You can't go around pretending to have a witness of Christ. You need to have an actual witness of the resurrected Christ. You need to see him face-to-face. They didn't do that. That's why things went the way they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably and that's I'm wondering what's going if, on. Yeah, I'm wondering if the reason they didn't is because they're already in this position. And maybe God doesn't want them in that position. So that yeah. would get really, that would look really messy if they were like, sorry, I can't do this because yeah. God doesn't want me to be here. Like it was, it's already, it's so smooth and so orderly yeah. and so not like God does it. <laughs> so I'll say something, I'll say something that will probably be controversial to some um, I, and I'll blame you. Okay. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble anyway. I, I might as well. <laughs> so I read something from a someone I trust um, who's had spiritual experiences, written some books, and the Holy Spirit has bore witness to his writings. Okay. It doesn't matter who it is. But he made a statement that in the last days, here, he, that he was shown that the office of apostle, the, the authority of apostle, the ministry of apostle would be restored. And this was written in the 80s or 90s. Mm-hmm. Well, that made me think because I'm like, well, well wait a minute. We, but Apostle was restored in the restoration, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yet when I read it, even though my mind said that can't be right, my heart and my spirit said, this is the truth. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go to the Lord and try to figure out what's going on. And this is my witness, the best of my understanding. What I was shown is the office of apostle and the authority of apostle was never restored Mm. to the church. And maybe it was because they, those men were never supposed to be apostles. The way they chose them and everything never made sense to me. It wasn't by revelation. It was like they just picked people, but Regardless, for the very at the very least, I do believe in Oliver Cowdery's admonition. I believe that the Spirit mm-hmm. spoke through him, and I don't believe they ever did what he told them they had to do. And, and because and of maybe that, that is, should have ha- yeah, maybe that should have happened before they received the call. Yes, right. And that is, and if <laughs> not a post facto if, thing. Yeah, and I'll go out on a limb here, but. If the apostles in the LDS church and if the apostles in the RLDS church and in the Temple Lot church or any other Mormon fragment actually had that face-to-face encounter with Christ, the resurrected Christ, and were changed by him, they would probably not be in the church anymore. Mm. So a brother of mine... Uh, who lives in the Ozarks, um, that, uh, he, um, he's the one, he's one of these, these few trusted brethren that I, yeah. Before, before you continue, sorry, I, your picture disappeared. I'm not seeing your picture. Okay. And is this, 
Is this like I can't? I still can't see you. Okay. I don't know if that's my issue or what. Is it just blanked out? Yeah, like... it just shows. It just shows a D. It says live video will return when when their internet improves. Recording continues smoothly. Probably. So your... we're still recording. It could be mine. Yeah. Okay, as long as your... everybody else can see you. Yeah, everybody, <laughs> everybody else can see me. It'll still be in the recording, but you're it's just having trouble with your internet signal or something. So yeah, that's probably it. It's not showing okay. you the video right now. It's trying to preserve mm -hmm. the audio at least. But okay. Hopefully. Anyway, sorry. Um, no. So is this okay. is this like a. A brother, brother, or do like a brother in the church, brother? Uh, brother in Christ. Okay. Yeah, he's a gotcha. brother in Christ, um, and him and I have been through down a lot of some some roads together, exploring these truths and and coming to understanding about some problems in the restoration. Um, and I really trust his judgment, and um, I know he hears from the Lord, and he was he was one that I was nervous about this priesthood thing because i was getting ready to put out those priesthood videos mm -hmm. and i hadn't told him anything about it because mm. i was afraid i was i was afraid of losing a brother yeah that that i needed that i loved and the interesting thing is i think the lord knew that i had that concern in my heart and so he arranged something mm -hmm. so just about a week before i put out the first video is priesthood even a thing he calls me and he tells me so i was working outside and the lord spoke to me and said todd i want to speak to you about priesthood and he said oh lord that's my least favorite topic i'd rather not <laughs> <laughs> and and the lord said i want you to i want you to call doug and ask him about priesthood Mm. Oh my goodness, and so he called cool. me and I said, Todd, um, so I've been, I've got some new understandings from the Lord. I don't know what you're going to make of this, but since he told you to call me, I'm going to take this as a good sign. I'm going to send you the manuscript, basically all the stuff I've written out, all my notes mm -hmm. for these series. So I sent it to him and he read it. And when he got done reading after few days he came back and he said I believe this is from the Lord and so that relieved my heart a lot to know because I trust yeah, I very much that he hears from the Lord and and it was interesting that the Lord actually came out and just says let's talk about priesthood you need to call Doug that's amazing that um, is so amazing that's cool but uh, he recently received a word from the Lord and as soon as I heard it the Holy Spirit just confirmed it just as powerfully as it could be and knew it was the truth. I knew it was the truth. And he said, the restoration is headed for an apostolic confrontation. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard and you he say did, that. Tell me, tell me more. What does that look like? Or mean, he, or? He, you know what? He never explained it. And I never asked him to explain it because the Holy Spirit imparted an understanding. It was sufficient for me. It doesn't mean I know everything about it. But the Holy yeah. Spirit, in that moment, when I heard those words, I knew what it was. And this is what it is. He is right now raising up apostles. I don't know what age they are. I don't know when they will appear, but it's soon. They will break out on the stage, on the world stage. They're not going to be looking for fame and fortune. They're not going to be looking to make a name. They probably don't even care to tell you their name. They're going to go around. And I actually had a vision of this. 
They're going to go around. They're going to confront lies, just as Jesus did. And part of how they're going to confront lies within the church, and this will be evangelicals are going to be confronted, especially politically hard-bent evangelicals Mm -hmm. that that think Mm -hmm. that the solution is to vote a certain way or to do whatever. Um, and what they're going to do and the, the real way that they're going to confront things, not just by words, but they're going to perform miracles like we have not mm-hmm. seen since mm-hmm. biblical days. Um, they will heal the sick. They will cast out devils. They will do all kinds of things. And they're also going to come for the restoration. They're going to come yeah. for the LDS church. They're going to come for the RLDS community of Christ, the restoration independent conservative branches that think they have the only authority um, and they're going to be confronted with power and so they, yeah just they, like just like Jesus where they could see yes that he had authority it what comes to mind like they had to yeah what comes to mind is the Apostle Paul was writing a letter I, I think it was the Galatians I might be wrong here But anyway, he wrote a letter and he said, when we came to you, you knew what manner of men we were. Not because of our great swelling words, you know, that we spoke, but because when we came, we came with power and the Holy Ghost. That's how they knew. They didn't go, well, he's got better words than these other people do. So I believe them. And that's where we're at as a church. We've got the history or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We've got the better words. We have the better doctrine. We have the better reasons why our church is better than other people's churches. And this is what we do. But Paul walked in power and true authority. And he had the Holy Ghost. And that is what this apostolic confrontation is. And it's coming. Yeah. And it's for our welfare. It's not because he hates us or something. It's actually because he loves us that, he, that he's going to well, send it, these people to yes. us. Yes. Yes. It's because we need it. We're, yes. we're feeling so such a dearth of it so yes. so like like we're hearing these stories over and over and over again yes. in this doctrine that is is not working and, yes. and that's what i'm noticing is you know especially women and i know men too is is we're we're being hit with mental health challenges physical health challenges yeah. things that we cannot overcome with any medication with any yeah. of the arm of flesh we need god absolutely and, and and these false traditions you know they're not working and so then people turn away from everything because yeah. okay well this isn't working and we're we're taught that it's a whole package right and so if that mm-hmm. whole package isn't bringing me what i want which is peace and joy and yeah. connection with the savior then it must all be wrong and and that is that black and white thinking mm-hmm. that satan gets us into where it's the all or nothing and and you know and then people sit there and they're like well i've had great experiences in the temple how can it be wrong i've had great yeah. experiences at church i've had great experiences mm-hmm. listening to yes. whatever brother or sister from the church headquarters yes and it's like god the, uses well, imperfect situations and he used he the, the temple of Solomon. He 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 actually came yeah. and ministered to them there, even though he never even wanted it built in the first place. <laughs> I know. And, and that this was is, the other thing I gained from that story yeah. was just like, okay, well, you built it, and 
Yeah. He's just so merciful and so kind. He is. Us. He is not the God that most people actually believe he is. We really don't understand. Yeah. We do not understand yeah. him. And because of that, we, we continue mm -hmm. in our error because we think, mm -hmm. well, because God did such and such at one time in my life or because something happened at this service and it was really good, that means God sanctions my church, my, church, my beliefs, my everything 100%. He's put his rubber stamp of approval on it. Yeah. And that's not yeah. true. That's the truth is, the truth <laughs> is he uses weak vessels like Joseph Smith Jr., like myself, mm -hmm. like David of old. He uses weak vessels. He uses imperfect situations. He uses... He comes and works with people, even though they're in the midst of error and, and mm -hmm. deception and making all kinds of mistakes, and he still loves them, and he still works with them right where they are the best that he can. And he will try to use things to try to draw them out and eventually get them to question some of their errors. But it's not, it's not his priority that you must have everything perfectly correct right now, immediately. You've yeah. got your, that's what the whole life of probation is, is to be learning these lessons. And if it's got to be on your deathbed before you finally wake up and realize all this religious nonsense means nothing, I just need to know how to love people better. And that's, that's what exactly. happens before you die, which so many people do, then that's what it takes. But he's okay yeah. with, he's okay that it's all right that I have imperfect understanding that I might believe something that isn't right. He doesn't toss me to the curb because of that. Because he knows that I have a desire in my heart, a good desire. So if I go to the Mormon temple and I'm doing the, the temple things and all that, he is, still loves me, even if all of this is garbage. It's all yeah. maybe garbage in his mind, and it's all going to go away one day because it's not a part of his kingdom. And yet he can love you doing these dead works because the intent of your heart is to do something for him, even if you're in error. And he can use that because if you really want to serve him, you're someone he can use. And he may have to take you through some experiences and cause you to question some things. And it may be huff, uh, it may be rough, but yeah. you know he's he's willing to do it, and he doesn't just cast us away completely because no, he it's yes yes amen to all of that. It's so, and and as I try to you know I struggle with this. Um, this feeling of pride, like, oh, I know something you don't, and you're just yeah. going to that temple to do your thing, you know, and I, I'm really just, every time I get a thought like that, a prideful or envious or anything, yeah. I just pray, God, fill me with your love. Yeah. And he is helping me to see that this love. black and white, all or nothing is yeah. is crap. It, it is, we have to get out of that mindset. We, we have to, to love people. Love every one of those people that are in their erring ways no matter mm -hmm. what we got to love if you're standing before a bishop and they are they are putting you out of the church they are chastising you they're telling you you're cursed and or you've lost your celestial glory and you're going to never be with your family you got to yeah. love them in the midst of them tormenting you or trying to torment you or trying to yeah. take from you because they're they're doing what they understand to be true and one day yeah, and what i what i did to other people like yeah. several years ago you know I, I people were leaving the church with good reason and i refused to listen and i yeah. i told them those things and now here i am yeah <laughs> i, I went just... through that too i i <laughs> i i told the party line at one point and mm -hmm. i even 
probably persecuted some people. I, I tried not mm-hmm. to, but I mean, you know, and I judged them, certainly. It's and out then, of love, right? Yeah. And I thought it was out of love, but it really was out of insecurity. That's exactly it. <laughs> and <laughs> But I got a question for you, though. So what yeah. if what if what I just told you about these apostles is true? And what if some or even all of them weren't even out of the restoration at all? No background mm-hmm. in any of the restoration churches. Meaning no authority, right? Meaning they didn't get hands laid on them by some guy who yeah. got hands laid on them yeah. all the way back to Joseph Smith Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about that? I, I think it fits the pattern <laughs> in the scriptures. It, it, it's how God does things because he wants to wake us up and yeah. drag us out of our, you know, our, our presupposed position of correctness and authority and so of course he's going to do it that way yeah it's going to be they may not even look they may look like john the baptist right they may be eating something out in the wilderness and not shaved for a few days well and i have a feeling some of them are going to be the seed of lehi i kind of think you're right yeah yeah and, and I was wondering, this is something that came to us as we were reading uh, uh, yesterday in 2 Nephi 28 and, and no, 29 and 30. And um, talking about the seed of Lehi and how it would be restored and how, um, you know, and, and the LDS uh, version of that is that that's happening now in South America. <laughs> you know and all these numbers those are the seed of lehi and they are um joining the church and that's what my husband said and i was like well i i you know (laughs) tell me speak to me about that how can it not be because i i could even go to that particular scripture people can look it up for yourself um but it's you know it's in large numbers they will be restored and become Mm -hmm. a delightsome people and and we've always thought that that was South America mm-hmm. because there's, I mean, you know, so many baptisms a day in South America sure. in the LDS church. That's, and that, it, so. hey, those are people that are worthy of salvation. And those are people that God loves. And they are probably Israelites. Remember, I mean, he, the prophets tell us that he, the prophets tell us where all the lost tribes went. It, yeah. they, they went, they went to the four corners of the earth. They were mm-hmm. sifted among all the Gentile nations, and they went even unto the, all the isles of the sea. Uh, and so, all the anywhere you go, where you find indigenous people, they're not indigenous people. We mm-hmm. all came from one place. Mm-hmm. What it is is they've been here for a while before we got here, and the reason why they were here is the Lord led them here. Yeah. And so, yeah, but so not seed of Lehi. Because Lehi's seed, it, it points to the promised land, right? Which is both the, both the historical evidence that Joseph Smith himself gave because Moroni told him who the people were. And Mm -hmm. Joseph Smith himself said that the book of Mormon took place between New York and the Missouri and Mm -hmm. great lakes area. Mm -hmm. Um, so and, and then on top of that, the scientific evidence, the genetic evidence 
the genetic evidence, remember, all those people that stand out at the uh, the conference uh, in Utah, and they always have these big Wing. signs, yes. DNA evidence proves Book of Mormon is false. Well, they're mm -hmm. right, if you believe that the Book of Mormon took place in Central or South America. In because Central, yes. Yes. But guess what? Genetic testing has got on and started doing northern tribes and into Canada. Mm -hmm. And guess what? They've got the they got the right gene. They got the HEPA X gene. Um, mm -hmm. It comes from the Middle East, and it's also found in European countries. Why? Because a lot of the lost tribes were scattered north into Europe, and so there's, you know, which is also proven because all of the burial mounds that go all yes. across Europe, right, yeah. point to the yeah. the descendants of of Ephraim, which that's I right. yes okay so that's good that's yeah. That's cool because I was I was recently listening to something and they're like, you know, because we still get people who are trying to say that the Book of Mormon was written by Joseph and, and you know, all these things. And so if as you're sifting through, you know, your box of beliefs that you're handed being born into this tradition. Yeah. And, you know, you can't toss it all out because it's good. There's yep. a lot of it that's good, but you have to sift, and that is hard. Mm -hmm. It is so hard. So uh, the, high, the, the highest concentration, by the way, of the highest concentration of that gene, it's very high. It's It's been registered as high as 60%. And this is this is a gene you'll find in the Middle East. Hmm. Okay. Um, this gene is the highest percentage in the Ojibwe tribes. That are in the Great Lakes, in Michigan, Minnesota, okay. and all through up into Canada. Okay, now get now remember, Lehi gives a prophecy to his youngest son Joseph. Mm -hmm. Not only what he says is that now we're all told, right? What's the story? What happened to the Nephites? They were destroyed. Yeah. The Nephites were all wiped out, except for that's not actually that's true. not what the scriptures say. So. Yeah. Um, that nation that had fallen into sin that were called Nephites at that time were wiped out. But Lehi told little Joseph that your seed will not be destroyed. Now, there's a mystery right in the middle of the Book of Mormon. There's, there is suddenly these ships being built and they're going north. Mm -hmm. And I believe where they were building those ships was on the Great Lakes and they were going north. And that is the land northward, okay? Mm -hmm. And these okay. people kept getting ships, and they kept leaving, and they getting ships, and they left, and they getting ships, and they left, and getting ships, and they left. And one day, the ships never came back again, and that was the end of it. And mm -hmm. then some silly thing gets said, like, oh, we assume they must have all been lost. Yeah. Well, they they came and died. they came and went back <laughs> numerous times for people. So obviously, some of them made it. Um, yeah. And no, I think they were just done. And I will, I would bet money that. <laughs> <laughs> that much of much of those people who went north, not all of them necessarily, but a, a lot of them may have been a direct descendant of little Joseph. And there they're probably go. the Ojibwe tribe. And um, mm. that's why they have a very rich concentrated uh, of that genetic line, because there's much more mixing. You'll find that our, the North American Indians, especially as you go more west and southwest and so forth, they're mixed much more with the other indigenous down into Mexico and South America, which has a lot of Asian 
mm-hmm. uh, genetics and things like that. And so there, there's a lot of mixing there, but you get the, a little bit more of the, of the, you know, so concentrated. The Ojibwe tribe. Do you know anybody from the Ojibwe? Have you ever met anyone? Yes. From the Ojibwe yeah. Um, yeah. I lived in Michigan. I was a Michigander. I was going to uh, say that's your stomping yeah, ground, right? That's 20 miles great. from where I lived was a Chippewa reservation and mm-hmm. a casino and um, is the Chippewa, I, are they like a branch from the Ojibwe? Chippewa or? is oh. really just another name for Ojibwe. Um, oh, okay. Ash, Ashinaabe is probably the most, might be the most proper term. And mm-hmm. please, I'm not an expert in this, so someone will probably correct you me. You know more than me, so. But, <laughs> but right. yeah. Um, and there That's are different cool. segments of, of Ojibwe. There are different, you know tribes and so forth within it and mm-hmm. it's a, it is a complex society and there are many many of them many of them hmm. um and they have a rich heritage and and they did not get wiped out as as much as many of the tribes did as you know to the same extent because we didn't uh, we didn't want their land it was too cold or something well yeah we're way up in the yeah way up north so they didn't they didn't really have the same uh as if you were in ohio i mean all yeah. of the tribes were wiped out of Ohio or removed uh, anywhere where there's a lot of settlers. So they remained even to stay their reservations in, in Michigan, in Minnesota, in Wisconsin, in Canada. Um, wow. So that is cool. That answers yeah. a lot of questions. Like, yeah. because and doesn't it say something about, uh, they will come from the North or something like there's, yeah, it does talk about coming out of the North country. Yep, it yeah. does. It okay. talks about the uh, lost tribes, and we have little little Joseph has the promise that uh, a, a choice seer will come out. Um, not Friends. for us. We shouldn't look for him to come and uh, lead our church or something like that. Um, yeah, he is going to do a work for his people, mm-hmm. for which will be of value to us as well. Yes, yeah. for the descendants of Lehi. Um, it says he will actually bring forth some some of the some additional records it sounds like um but also he will convince his people of the records that have already gone forth among them which would be bible book of mormon yeah okay so i have a question for you and we've talked about this a little bit but maybe just pose it here so um i i think we you and i talked about how a lot of christians have a hard time with the book of mormon um and in my mind, I've met, I have two good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, one I don't talk to anymore because she moved away and she's out of like internet range. She's mm-hmm. on a, on a homestead and, uh, but Christian and they walk with Jesus. They have a relationship with Jesus and they, this one friend, she and her husband kind of looked at the book of Mormon and they just felt like they didn't really need it. And to me, back a few years ago, that was kind of like, because I'm used to the tradition of everybody's got to believe the Book of Mormon, everybody's Mm got to be baptized in my church, and you can't be saved without that. And so the question I'm posing is, does everybody need to read the Book of Mormon to be saved? No, no, not (laughs) at all. Uh, We don't need to bring people to the Book of Mormon. The point of the Book of Mormon is to bring people to Christ. And in there are some very clarifying things about his covenants and what he's going to do also in particular about the people that inhabit this continent which of the new jerusalem is going to be on mm-hmm. and they're going to build it so that's why it's important if you're interested in that and you want to be a part of that and you're excited about that um and it really that record is coming forth not so much for our benefit though it is 
it's for their benefit. It's yeah. came forth for them. And we failed in that. Remember, we were supposed to bring yeah. that to them. Uh, we made a couple little pitiful attempts, but really nobody wanted didn't to be really around. That. They didn't want to be around these savages. They didn't definitely didn't want them in their churches or whatever. And they definitely didn't want to be numbered among them. They would rather, maybe we'll have them numbered among us, but I don't think they wanted that. Let's face yeah. it. I think there's racism. I think there oh, was, yeah. there's no, nobody wanted it. It's so some, much easier to just get white people. False teachings. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. False <laughs> yeah, teachings by Brigham Young. Big time. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. I, I listened to that podcast with Whitney. No, not Whitney. Um, can't remember her name now. Michelle, Michelle Brady Stone, yeah, and that one gentleman of African descent. So mm -hmm. that was beautiful. If you yeah. haven't, that that was awesome. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that I was going to say is, I listened to a story of a woman born in Iran. Mm -hmm. She's Iranian, and she was she was uh, uh, convinced and received dreams of jesus before she even read the bible so That's we right. don't need the bible to be saved yeah no you don't you don't and I, the, I, these I, are like, tools these are tools yeah. that really help there we go but there if you go. don't have them um you know and uh and the other thing god, is, can, it, god can touch you and he can reach you you know yeah and all all believers who really believe in christ and are going to follow him in these last days they're all going to come to the realization that the book of mormon is true yeah. But it's not going to be because there was some requirement made that you have to believe the Book of Mormon or you're out. You have to pray until you get the answer that we tell you is the well, right answer. Here's what. <laughs> here's how it's going to happen. I'll tell you, this is how it's going to happen. So I, I've already had my eye on people out in the evangelical world mm -hmm. who believe in the gifts and all that type of stuff. And there's a lot of fakers, but mm -hmm. there are some legitimate persons who have legitimate experiences with the Lord and I read their works and I read things out of there that God has told them that is right out of the book of Mormon, hmm. right out of the book of Mormon. And you can't find it anywhere in the Bible. And here's what I believe is going to happen. And I think this is what the Lord is trying to show me is that the truth of the book of Mormon, when it came out of the ground, when that record came out of the ground, the truth of the book of Mormon was released into the world. And what you'll find is that even though, because probably in large part because of so many mistakes they made, but a lot of the world basically rejected Joseph, rejected the Book of Mormon, mm -hmm. rejected the church. Okay. But what you will find is from that point forward, the truths of the Book of Mormon started to propagate all through mm -hmm. the churches and went all through up into the 1960s and 70s. And now... To the point where by the time you get into the 1970s and 1980s, you how would you distinguish their beliefs in a lot of evangelical circles from ours? Mm -hmm. Other than that, they don't have a Book of Mormon or they don't talk about Joseph Smith That's, every every yes. day, all day long. And they don't have to say the word priesthood because they don't need to use that word. Mm -hmm. But besides that, what was the difference between the what joseph smith and the others were doing versus the other churches well they actually believe that god still spoke today mm -hmm. that you could still have that you could have revelation that god could speak to you that you could ask that question and he would talk to you uh, and that they believed was what in, was so revolutionary for yes joseph. and that okay. and that yeah. the gifts of the spirit were not done away with that was taught mm -hmm. 
all the time and, and so many of the different congregations that those gifts were just for the apostles to get things started and now you just have to believe uh they were done away with that and, and are, but, isn't that what we're teaching now like i have read quotes from <laughs> brethren that are saying you don't it, it's uncommon to have so strong we, revelatory experiences we're we've reversed we reversed yeah. roles be yeah, so we now have. we're making excuses why we don't have the signs and we don't need the signs of the believers. Mm -hmm. But other Christians are experiencing the signs of the believers and they're having prophecy mm -hmm. and they're having gifts of the spirit and they're having healings and things like that. And yes, I'm going to, again, on record, I am absolutely 100% aware of the fact that probably 80% or more out there of, of what you see on TV or different things are fakery. But yeah, yeah. I have also seen that there is a growing, growing, growing number that are legitimate. They're having real experiences with the Lord. Mm -hmm. He is telling them truths. And I'm telling you, they have more truth than we do because yep. we don't even accept the truths that we were given. Yeah. We made, we made other truths for ourselves and that's the problem in the restoration. Yeah. We, we teach for, for doctrine, the commandments of men, yes. right? We, Absolutely. we, that's our doctrine. If you look at, everything everything that i've had questions over it's all the commandments of men yes that like do we really have to do it this way do we and and yes yeah. i i have to second that because i know uh, in fact my friend uh i met her in idaho and the reason why she reached out to me was because she said i sounded like a christian because we were talking <laughs> about jesus one day at work and yeah. she's like you just sounded like a christian so i didn't know if you mm -hmm. were mormon or what and because she said all the other Mormons that I engage with, they they don't really know Jesus. Mm -hmm. They don't really know. They don't talk about him like you talk about him. Yeah. And by that time in my life, I had had significant yeah. experiences with the Savior. And yeah. so I was able to speak of his grace yeah. and mercy. And, you know, she's like, you sound like a Christian. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> I just laughed. Uh. So anyway, that's awesome. That's a very, very helpful teaching, I think is to understand we have really reversed roles like we've yeah. become like the catholics where you you pay to play you pay you know to yeah. receive salvation with your and family we, and because we can trace our authority back mm -hmm. to to a certain point we are the true church and you're not yeah and that's yeah. what the catholics it, do they they trace yeah. all their popes back to peter supposedly mm -hmm. so yeah yeah amazing wow what a good discussion this is so yeah. fun uh, anything else coming to mind well I, I i think we've i think that might be a good place to stop maybe it, it felt like a good ending to me um yeah i'm just trying I do to feel think like if i had other questions i, for I do feel like we have other conversations in the future yeah so and I really enjoyed, I really, really enjoyed joining your Zoom meeting. With, that was awesome. Other, yeah, the all ladies. the ladies loved it. They loved so, it. I, that was awesome. So, and that's one of the things that I, I am grateful for is I knew that the Lord, I knew that the ministry of women and their place had been so suppressed and... I knew that the Lord was going to bring that out again here in these last days um, and the, and let it manifest in a way that we haven't seen before. And I, I looked forward to that, but I don't know what it looks like. But every time I do something like 
like hang out in your Zoom meeting. I like I'm beginning to see it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm seeing these little, I'm seeing the it, genesis I, yeah. and the origin of it. And I, it yeah, excites I, me. I have some I have some thoughts on that because yeah. women, we feel stuff. We intuitively yeah. know something, and yes. then we go out and put in the facts. Mm -hmm. And the facts are so controlled right now for everybody. Yeah. The information, the, the facts, right? Mm -hmm. That it does take an intuitive mind and heart to sense that things are wrong. Yes. And so I'll give you an example. One of the ladies from our group, maybe this is where we could end it. I don't know. But one of the ladies from our group, she said she was in church yesterday and she goes to uh, her LDS ward and the talks were on um, the last days and following the prophet and how following the prophet will keep you safe. And um, she actually went up to the high council member. So the high council is part of just under the stake president and mm -hmm. they go out and visit the wards. And so it was his turn. We call it dry council sometimes because okay. those talks are kind of dry. <laughs> the high council third Sunday. Um, anyway, so so she went up to him and she said, you know, you spoke about following the prophet, but what if the prophet's wrong? Mm. And he said, well, the prophet can never be wrong. It's in the scriptures. He can never lead us astray. <laughs> and she's like, well, what about Where? the COVID shot? Or, you know, what What about these things that, and, and she just blatantly asked him and said, what about this, this, and this? And, you know, he, he didn't have a good answer. And I asked my husband, like, if you were that high council member, what would you have said to her? And he said, I would tell her to take it to the Lord. But he didn't say that. He, he simply just repeated the party line mm -hmm. and you know, made it clear that this could never happen and that she, she needs to correct herself, you know, mm -hmm. but I, I know that that's, that's the role of women today because yeah. we can just feel it hits your gut and your heart. I know men can do this too. It's not like it's uh, just women. Well, we have to get it. So yeah, <laughs> I suspect that this is one of the many things that when Adam, when Eve was made, she was taken out of Adam, right? And so mm -hmm. before that, what I understand is that Adam had all the attributes of God that he was mirroring of himself, the various mm -hmm. attributes that he wanted us to have to make us in his image. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Adam had all of that. And when Eve came out, he didn't any longer. Mm -hmm. um, so that, Okay. I'm glad you explained that. That's, yeah. that's because you said something about that before, but it was kind yeah. of subtle. Okay. Well, yes, and there was a, it. and there's a teaching by a woman who's a counselor here in, in these parts in Missouri, who mm -hmm. has a lot of insight from the Lord and helps people get over terrible uh, injuries and you know, mental injuries and abuses and, and just issues mm -hmm. that they're having. She's a counselor. And she mm -hmm. talks about uh, the rib, the particular rib that the Lord took was one that was over. It was one that is over the heart. And she just got this from the Lord anyway, and that the heart gifts were taken with that. And so mm -hmm. she goes to explain those things. Well, what I was seeing is discernment in particular, I noticed. Now, mm -hmm. men can discern things in business. They can discern things in the world. Um, they're they not very good. This. Yes. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. they do not have spiritual discernment naturally. Now, we have to get that 
by our relationship with the Holy Spirit to get this. Okay. Mm -hmm. But what I've noticed is that women tend to be, unless something has happened, uh, some injury, some abuse, some, something that maybe may have impacted it in some way that they're having trouble, but ordinarily and under circumstances, most women have innately, um, just by nature, a, a degree of discernment and it's my wife. I always look to my wife when she mm -hmm. tells me something isn't right. I listen when she tells me, I believe we need You're to a smart man. And she's, <laughs> well, I've learned, I learned the hard way. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I've learned that, uh, she may not have all the little particulars necessary or the exact detail or ex whatever, but she will, sense something even before she understands it here she understands yes. it here yes. okay that's what i do too yeah and i and i'm telling you until i tell women and the ministry of women is um recovered and and put together with the ministry of men we're we're running on you know it's supposed to be a four-cylinder car we're running on two cylinders i don't know if you ever tried to drive mm -hmm. a car that had two cylinders <laughs> out you're not going anywhere pretty um, weak yeah and it, no wonder the Satan uh, targeted that probably because of the weaknesses of men and their ego or whatever. That was the easiest way to go. But what I've noticed is that it tends to be the women tends to be most of the time, not always, but more often than not, it's the women who first realize something's not right with this. Yeah. And they're the ones who start questioning first. It's the, it's the men who are usually dragging their feet um, or having some issues and they have to come along eventually. And yeah. almost works and, better that way anyway, because men tend to, um, it seems, it seems like more harsh consequences happen the other way against the men. So if the, if the does, wife can yeah. get away with it long enough I know. that well, she can this is, slowly yeah. begin to bring the things he needs to consider. And if he loves her, then eventually he might begin to see the light of it. And, and so mm -hmm. I think even the Lord is using that to let it be the women and let them take the lead in this for once finally. because we're feeling it yes. it is unmistakable and what i've appreciated are the men that have gone and dug and dug and dug to find the facts to find the history because that's that's not something i'm great at either like yeah. i need and i've told my husband this like i need you to engage with me because yeah. he's seen me go off on these weird tangents like i i was into mm -hmm. energy work because those matched my spiritual gifts, mm -hmm. right? And and yeah. I got to a point where I was walking with my sister down this path and we're like, let's backpedal here. Because we got into some weird stuff that didn't feel right. Yeah. And my husband was yeah. watching this going, what are you doing? You know, and I, I think he's he's seen me kind of settle on this ground of solid, rock solid Jesus Christ yeah. is my savior. and. And I, I, I told him, I'm like, I, I, I need your intellect. I, yeah. I need your analytical part of this yeah. because we're better together. Absolutely. You know, I miss stuff. I miss details. And, and so all these guys who've gone out and like, you know, done the, the God will literally tell mm -hmm. me, he'll be like, listen to this servant, you mm -hmm. know, and it, it's one day it was you. One day okay. it was Mark Curtis. One day mm -hmm. it was Michael Barrett, you know, and yeah. it's like all these guys who were better together. We really yes. are. And, and uh, God has led me and it, it like confirmed something that was on my heart already. It's just, it's amazing. Put, put in all the details, you know, Priscilla, 
Priscilla and Aquila. Mm-hmm. That 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 was in back in 2019. My wife and I, I, I kept hearing from the Lord, look into Priscilla and Aquila. I am going mm-hmm. to restore that ministry in the last days. They were they were part That's of cool. the they were in the list of seventy. Um, 70 evangelists in the early mm-hmm. church. And so and she, her name was on that list. So you talk about women, the priesthood so cool. or whatever, but she was listed right there with her husband. And it's interesting, even in the scriptures, often, most, uh, more than often, her name is even before his. And mm-hmm. I, you get the distinct impression that she was a force, even mm-hmm. more than her husband, that she may have been the more uh, go-getter, and yeah. I think, but I do think they were perfectly married and all their gifts were put together perfectly, but he mm-hmm. was, he was fine with her sometimes taking a lead in things. And he was there supporting yeah. that whole thing. She was definitely a go-getter. There are scholars that believe that she is the one that wrote the book of Hebrews. That's so cool. And that is why the book of See, Hebrews does and, not say who wrote it. And uh, interesting. <laughs> and, and, and I love that because, you know, my sister and I are talking and we're like, Maybe those lost books will be all the women, like Nephi's <laughs> wife, and you know all these, yeah. all these women. Yeah. I don't know if they had time to write, but <laughs> if they did, I would love to hear their words. You know, and and I was just going to say that, you know, there is male and female, and they're completely yes. different. But there's also different kinds of males and different mm-hmm. kinds of females. Yeah, and I think some of the the gender confusion. Um, it, it twists in that too, because there are more yeah. that there's just different ways of being male and there's different ways of being female, but that doesn't make them yeah. the same, you know? So I, Absolutely. I just, God I loves just love variety. That. I, he he yes. loves variety and he made us all in different ways. And, um, and that, that is a strength in the church. If we can embrace it, not everybody's exactly the same. Not everybody has the same yeah. gifts, the same talents, the same way of doing things. And that's okay. So, mm-hmm body of christ we're all needed all looking of forward are. looking forward to the great unity of, of all those saints from whatever backgrounds they are just in mm-hmm. full unity of faith in the holy spirit um, abiding in christ and him being the head that to me is so exciting that and, me too yeah. yeah i'm with you so cool well, okay well we better stop now before we think of something else <laughs> and we're here. good talk good talk yeah. all right well thank you for joining me today Thank you. Um, I look forward to next time. Yep. All right. Me too. Well, Thanks so much. I'll I'll be praying for you and your challenges you. and your I, congregation. You know I'm you know I'm praying for you as well, and uh, and also for all the listeners out there on both ends, on both podcasts. Yep. God bless. Yep. Have a have a wonderful day. Bye everybody.